watched a tennis match or even played tennis at some time or the other, you may be familiar with a man by the name of Andy Roddick. Andy's still playing. He's quite uh, impressive as a tennis player. And I looked up and found out that when he serves a tennis ball, he can serve a tennis ball at 155 miles an hour. This morning, I'm going to attempt to break that record. (laughs) Some of you woke up, didn't you? Because you don't know where the ball is ending up. This last series that we have been going through, entitled Verb, has given us this indication that this vehicle that we call the church is likened to a car, likened to any type of motor vehicle. And it tells us that as a church that we are not only active, but we are to be moving forward. We are to be seeing the vision accomplished. We are to be a part of what God is wanting to do through His church. The first Sunday of this series, Dick Foth was here, and he gave us the chassis, if you will, to the vehicle. He simply said that the Son of Man did not come to be served, but He came to serve. And then he asked the question, what is your story and are you willing to serve? That's the chassis. The next two Sundays, Pastor Jack came and shared with you. And in that time of challenge, he helped us to understand that caring has no limits. Love has no obstacles. Presentation has no limits that we release the excess baggage, we unpack recognition and prove that we have gain. Last Sunday, Pastor Jason, a.k.a. Mr. Rogers, came and shared with us, and what I likened that to was this. As Dick Foth gave us the chassis, Pastor came along and put in the engine and the transmission. Pastor Jason came last Sunday And basically, he installed the GPS system, God's plan for serving. We know it otherwise as the Holy Spirit, telling us who to serve, where to go, what to do, how to be involved, loving your neighbor, doing good to those in the family of God, serving others in our community. And Pastor Jason left us with that challenge. This morning, I'm going to attempt to put the wheels on the car. Because you know that no matter how great a car is, and it can look fantastic, but a car with no wheels goes, anywhere, goes nowhere. And you know it's very difficult to steer a parked car. So this morning we're going to put wheels on this vehicle, what we call the church, and we're going to not only put the wheels on, but we're going to examine why sometimes that vehicle gets stalled. And what creates that flat tire and what bogs us down in doing what God has called us to do. But before we get to that, uh, I do have a purpose for this racket and ball. And here's what I want to encourage you to do. Number one, wake up. And if you are in an area, because in just a moment I'm going to serve you. I'm going to serve you. And hopefully somebody around you is coordinated enough that will catch this tennis ball. Now, if you are fearful that you're going to be injured, take the hymnal or Bible out of your uh, pew rack and hold it up in front of your face. Now, I'm not serving overhand, so don't get scared. And you in the balcony, you're safe. 
probably why you sit up there. You're safe. Uh, I wanted to, uh, Jason Bennett, he challenged me. He says, you've got to hit one in the balcony. But these lights are so bright, I have no idea where it's going. So, so we're going to play it safe this morning. But here's what I want to do. This section right over here, and I see some guys over here that's probably coordinated well enough, and please, I'm not going to injure anyone, I hope. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to serve. So are you ready? Are you awake? Somebody reach up and grab this thing. There you go. All right. Pastor Jason, may I have the next tennis ball, please? This section right over here, I see some guys back there. and In fact, one of them, he said, please, please, hit it to me. So Carl, duck, because the guy behind you wants this tennis ball. Are you ready? Here we go. All right, somebody got it. Let me have another one. Right here, here we go. Everybody ready, young people? Come on. It's your serve. Grab it. Fantastic. Got one more here that I'm going to pass on. I see a bunch of bikers, and yeah, he's got his hand up in the air. Rick, here we go. Faked you out. All right. So what I want to do is this. As we share in the message this morning, I'm going to come to some points in my message that I'm going to ask you to do this. Take the, that which was served you, pass it to someone around you, and simply say, it's your serve. Because you and I know, even though we may not know a lot about tennis, we know this. If, if two of the top-ranked tennis players in the world meet at center court in Wimbledon, and the game is just about ready to start, and they say, all right, it's your serve. And he says, I don't want to serve. Well, it's your serve. And he says, I don't want to serve. So they go back and forth. I don't want to serve. I don't want to be first. I don't want to serve. You know that could really put a damper on the game. And it really prolongs it. So this morning what I want to do is this. As we go through the Word of God and share some things with you, I'm going to be asking you to pass that ball off to somebody and just simply say to them, it's your serve. There's a verse of Scripture that came to me when I knew I was going to be preaching. This is kind of a standalone message, but it it flows in also to the series on verb and on serving and doing what God is wanting us to do. But there's a verse that came to me in Acts chapter 13, verse 36. It's a very small verse, and I've never caught it before. It's never connected with me, but it just really zeroed in when I knew that I was going to be preaching this morning. And this is what it says. For when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep, he was buried with his fathers, and his body decayed. But catch that, and let that get into your heart this morning, When David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. In the Greek, that means he died. In the Hebrew, that means he kicked the bucket. No, I'm just just messing with you. Got to keep you awake today. When David had completed what God had called him and established him to do, he fell asleep. And yet he served God in that generation. Now, we know a lot about David. But here's the thing. Though David's conduct at times was sinful, 
and always the story of Bathsheba comes up, it never moved him from the path of restoration. That's key to remember. Because David served his generation as a shepherd boy, as a musician, as an accomplished military man, as a faithful friend, as the prince of Judah and king of Israel, both as a saint and as a sinner. What does that tell us this morning? Perfection has never been a requirement for serving. And there may be some of you sitting here today in this congregation saying, Pastor Don, you know, I would really like to serve, but I just don't have it all together yet. I would really like to serve, I'd like to be connected, but, but there's some, some, a few things in my life that just really is bothering me, and I know I need to deal with them, and so I'm just going to wait. Please don't wait. Because for perfection has never been a requirement. If that was the case, there would be no one in this building serving today. Because none of us stand here in a perfected state. So the question this morning is this. What does it mean to serve our generation? I hit the ball to uh, Bob Henniger over here. I hit it back here into this section. I hit it to the youth. They have a generation. I hit it back over here, and they have a generation. Those of you in the gallery and up in the balcony, you are part of different generations. So what does it mean to serve God in your generation? And this is easy for me this morning because I, I believe I've caught this. This is, I, is one of my gifts as we went through the shape classes and identified what we do. Serving comes natural to me. And I enjoy it and I love it, especially when I think about a God that has loved me so much that He gave His only begotten Son, a God that has been with me through thick and thin for over 62 years, and I have the privilege, I have the honor of serving Almighty God. Wow. So what does it mean? It means to perform the common duties of life. Just perform the common duties of life. Things that come our way in the everyday, mundane activities of life, we serve. Whether it's cutting your grass or washing your car or cleaning your house or helping your neighbor or serving your wife. Yesterday, my wife and I served each other for about six hours. I served her the mulch, and she served it to the bushes. And we just served. For about six hours. And, and at the end of the day, we were dead dog tired. But when we got cleaned up and we had supper and we came back, we said, it, what a great feeling just to see something accomplished. But it's the everyday, ordinary activities of life that means that we're serving our generation. Be ready for every opportunity. Pastor Jason alluded to that last week when he gave you this story about the elderly lady mowing her grass, and he was going by looking all pristine and pretty, and God said, get out of your car and mow her grass. Look for opportunities to serve. See, we become so overwhelmed with the pressures and the cares of life that so many times the opportunities to serve goes right by us, and we just don't see it. Look for those opportunities. Maintain a life of integrity. In other words, if you say it, do it. And one of the greatest 
difficulties that we have with this is when we meet each other in the, in the hallways, in the foyer, passing along in the classrooms, and we will say, hey, I'm going to call you this week. Now, you know you're not going to call that person. It just first thing came to your mind. Or call me. We need to get together. And how many, how many unfinished meetings has come out of that fact that we said we were going to call or talk to somebody or get with them, and it's never happened? So, maintain a life of integrity. In other words, walking the way that we are talking. And if you are a follower of Jesus in your home and in your business and in your community and people know that you're a follower of Jesus, then there ought to be some kind of of external response because you're a follower of Jesus. And then, of course, serve until we fall asleep. Just serve until we fall asleep. Because there's no such thing as a retirement plan. We're serving God. I read just, just the other day, People in their 80s, 90s, 95-year-old ladies still preaching, still going to churches, still filling the pulpit, still preaching, still ministering the Word of God. And, and, and there's no place in Scripture that says when we hit 65, see, that's just a Medicare mentality. When we hit 65, I guess we've got to just pack it in and, and not do anything anymore. And many of you folk and many of our seniors who I love dearly, and they are so filled with wisdom and just information and knowledge. And when I'm around them, I just, it's kind of like a joy filler for me because I am learning from their experiences in life. And so here we have this opportunity to serve until we fall asleep. Let's fast forward from David and understanding that from the lineage of David came another man by the name of Jesus. Jesus came to this earth. He lived. He ministered. And at the end of his life and ministry on earth, he calls his disciples together, and he gives them instructions on how to continue his work on earth after he ascends to the Father. And he's laying out the plan, and he's telling them what he wants them to do. In fact, he encourages them and says, even greater works you will do than I have done when I go to the Father. Jesus chose to advance his work through ordinary people who live in a real world of family, business, and community. In other words, the power of the church is the power of everybody. Say that with me this morning. The power of the church is the power of everybody. Say it with me again. The power of the church is the power of everybody. So for those of you who I served the tennis ball this morning, find someone around you and pass it off to them and just simply say, it's your serve. Just do it now. Pass it off. Hand it off. Okay? Watchman Nee made an interesting point when he was doing in some of his writings, and I think it's important that we look at this this morning. And this is what he said. We need to see that in all things that God does on earth today, he will first get the church to stand with him, and then he will do the work through his church. God will not execute anything independently. Whatever he does today, he does with the cooperation of his church. 
The church is that vehicle through which God manifests himself. Now, why this is an easy sermon this morning is because it can be preached in any church. It can be given to any denomination. It can be absorbed by any fellowship because it crosses all barriers and all boundaries. When we are the church of Jesus Christ, it's more than 8150 Oliver Road. Because when you leave here and go to your homes, you are still the church. Tomorrow morning when you wake up or if you have to work third shift tonight and you go in to work, you are still the church. If for some reason and everyone out of this building is gone and it's totally empty and there's no harm or danger to anyone and this church burns down or blows up, do you understand me this morning? God still has a church. And he's always going to have a church. In fact, Jesus said, I'm going to build my church. What we have to catch this morning is this. That if we are a church that God is wanting to be active and to be on the move and to be doing something for his kingdom, we have to get on board. And I understand that we have many people in this church who are very, very active. Sometimes we just have to say, hey, no, I'm sorry, you can't volunteer for that. You're already doing six things. And we've got people who have served this church so faithfully over the years. Sometimes over 50 years between husband and wife serving in our Mission Net program and in our Royal Ranger program. Serving in Royal Rangers and ushering. There's a man, Paul Blakesley, over 25 years. He's been faithful to the Royal Rangers and volunteering as ushering in this church. And I could go on and on and on about people who have caught it. They caught the ball. Somebody said one day, it is your serve. And they took up the challenge and they caught it and they've been serving God ever since. But because we have those people who are faithful and who are serving, many of us in this room today, and I would be safe to say hundreds of us in this church that call this our church home, we have developed this mindset that everything's getting done, so why am I needed? This morning when we end our message, we're going to challenge you. In your bulletin, you have a handout that has service opportunities there. And I'll speak more about that a little bit later. But, but we need everybody. Because, you see, the power of the church is the power of everybody. So here's the challenge. Mark chapter 8, verse 34 and 35. Jesus, these are Jesus' words. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, If anyone would come after me, He must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will find it. And what was happening in this discourse with his disciples and with those that were around him, because we know that there was a point in time when all of those who were following Jesus for all of the amenities and the side benefits, and maybe just out of curiosity, there came to a point where he drew the line. And he said, if you're going to follow me, you're going to have to take up your cross and deny yourself to be a follower of me. And the Scripture says, and many turned away, and many turned away. So what is happening here in this discourse with his disciples, Jesus has confronted the secular and humanistic mind with the radical claims of the gospel. 
Because you see, our mind and our understanding, for the most part, operates on this planet we call Earth and around this little sphere that we call our world. And because of that, that's all we can conceptualize, that's all we can understand, that that if if it's involving my little world, then I guess I'm okay. And Jesus here is breaking this down and helping them to understand a secular and humanistic mind is motivated by selfishness. Now please, there, there are those of you sitting here this morning who could be yawning and saying, Pastor Don, I've heard this. I'm plugged into six different ministries. I'm thinking about ministry number seven. Ho-hum, ho-hum, ho-hum. And maybe I am preaching to the choir in that respect. But I'm saying from my heart, a heart of compassion, a heart of love, a heart of seeing what God is wanting to do, and the need for those in the body of Christ to begin to serve. I'm saying to you this morning, will you please just take that chance to open your heart and open your mind and understand that you have gifts and qualities and abilities that can be a tremendous blessing, not only to this body, but to this community and around the world. And we need you. You're important. See, here's what happens when we're driving this church called the car, the vehicle that's moving along, and then all of a sudden we have a flat tire. And something happens that slows the vehicle down. And there's a couple of things that that causes that. Number one is we have to understand that for the most part, we live in a self-serving culture. Let's just be honest with ourselves this morning. We live in a self-serving culture. We are told and propagated by news media around and across the television and the information and all of the things that we read in the newspapers, we are told this, indulge yourself, fulfill your desires, satisfy your appetites, and fulfill your pleasures. And we combine that with the difficult time of stress and involvement and commitment, and we buy into it, and now we begin to believe that we have this sense of what I call entitlement. We see this a lot in younger generation, but it's in the older generations as well. I deserve this. I've earned this. I'm entitled to this. Give this to me. I don't want to have to work for it. I don't want to have to serve for it, but give it to me because I'm entitled. But we have to go back to Mark 8, where Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, you have to deny yourself. You see, that is totally opposite of the humanistic understanding that we have today as a sense of entitlement. So when this mindset begins to take place, my friends, this is where we begin to have the flat, and this is where we now begin to be moving along on three wheels instead of four. And it doesn't take a rocket science to understand that a car on three wheels cannot go as fast as a car with four wheels. But that's a breakdown. Then we have something else that creates a flat that stops the flow and stops the movement of of the church of Jesus Christ. We have convinced ourselves that we have no skills or abilities. 
If you were to be honest, and I was to take a handheld mic this morning and start up the gallery and go across the balcony and come down and go into the pews and say, tell me your skills and abilities. And many of you would say, I don't have any. I don't have any. And, and see, that's just a, that's a lie from the enemy because God has created us. In fact, medical science tells us this. Our brain has the capacity to store one trillion facts. And yet as men, we, we forget the three things on the grocery list when our wife sends us to the grocery store. Let's see, it was milk, bread, and something else. I can't remember. But God, in the creating of the human brain, has built in the capacity to not only to remember, but store as much as one trillion facts. They tell us that our mind can handle 15,000 decisions per second. And they use the digestive system as, a, as an example of that. When you and I have dinner today, or any given day, and that food enters our body, we never give it a second thought. It's just open up and pour it in. But when that food begins to hit our digestive system, there are multiple hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of decisions being made as to where that food goes. Some it will go to, to our skin, some it goes to our blood vessels, some it goes to our bones, some it goes to our brain, some it goes to our feet, and then eventually there's just some, there's nothing else to do with it, so it just goes. 15,000 decisions per second our bodies are capable of making. Our nose has the capacity to smell 10,000 different odors. <clears throat> Reach over and smell you. No, no, don't do that. 10,000 different odors we have the capability of smelling with our nose. We have a touch that can detect an item one twenty-five thousandths of an inch. The touch that we have with our fingers, we can, we can touch that, we can sense it, we can feel it. God has so built us that our tongue can taste one part quinine in two million parts water. That's how, that's how finite that is. So what is the application of all of these numbers? The application of this, friends, whatever God has for us to do, He will enable us and empower us to do that very thing that He's called us to do. Say, so, well, I want to serve, but I don't know if I'm qualified. We're not looking for qualified. In fact, when I was pastoring, I used to always say to the people, and sometimes those who were there as our first-time friends, uh, I would have to definitely explain it because they would take offense, and I would say, really, the only people that God's looking for is fat people. <laughs> and some say, whoop, that's me. I knew there was hope. You see, fat is an acronym that says God is looking for those who are faithful, those who are available, and those who are teachable. That's all he's looking for. 
And that's the only requirements that we have when we're looking for those to serve is will you be faithful, will you be available, and will you be teachable? And if you can meet those three criterias, God does the rest. He empowers us. And there's an excitement about serving. Aside, and this has been in my DNA ever since I've been born, a lot of it is due to my environment that I was born in and due to a mother that always was sure that I was in the house of God. In fact, if we didn't have church at our church, we were somewhere at another church having church until our church had church. And I was born and raised in church. That's all I've known. And, and I, I can say this very openly and honestly. I love my home. My home is my ca- castle. I love to be home with my wife, and I love when my kids come and my grandkids are there in our home. But aside from my home, the church is the second best place I like to be. There's just something about it that excites me. So when God calls us and God puts this, this passion in our heart, He wants us to understand that there is a calling And if I am calling you, and if I'm asking you to serve, then God's saying, don't worry about the empowering and the equipping, because I will do that. So for those of you that I served the ball to just a moment ago, and you've passed it on, whoever has that ball in your hand, I want you to find somebody around you, in front, behind, beside, and I want you to hand the ball to them and say to them, it's your serve. Pass it. It's your serve. So we have a call. What is the challenge? Romans chapter 12, verse 2, Paul says this. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now that word world is not a physical or geological, geographical location. That word world simply means the age that we live in. And Paul is saying that if we're going to continue to do what God is wanting us to do, there has to be a change of a mindset. And this morning we've been asking and asking the Holy Spirit to speak into our hearts and lives that for many of us here today, Today is the beginning of a new day because God's changing our mindset. There has to come a change in our mind. Because here's what we're used to. And, and it's get, we're getting better at this. The church corporately is getting better at this. But this is what has happened for so many years. It's why it's very difficult for a paradigm shift in our mindset, in our way of thinking. And this is what it looks like. When you and I go to the doctor... We expect the doctor to treat us, not to train us to be a doctor. When you go in for your doctor's appointment, you never walk in and say, Okay, Dr. Smith, whoever his, whatever his name may be, I, I'm here today because I want you to train me to be a doctor. No, we never give that a second thought. We go because we have an illness, a malady, an infirmity, and we're trusting that that doctor will be able to treat us for that. If you've ever had opportunity or the need to to find an attorney, you go into the attorney's office and you're expecting the attorney to give you advice not to teach you how to be an attorney. 
That's just not an expectation. And you walk into the office and you give him the scenario and now you say to him, I need your advice. But I'm not expecting you to make me an attorney. Just give me the advice of an attorney. The interesting thing is this, friends. Over the years, and it may apply to some of your environment. It may apply to your upbringing or your mindset over the past years. But here's what this looks like. We come to the church expecting the pastors to serve us, not to train us to serve others. Do you see the difference? We don't go to the doctor to be trained as a doctor. We don't go to the attorney to be trained as an attorney. But we come to the church, expect others to serve us, and never to be trained to serve others. This is part of what Jesus was getting to when he was confronting this humanistic mindset. And what he's trying to say to us today is this. Of all of these messages, when Dick Foth and Pastor Jack and Pastor Jason, when they gave to you this series, we come down to this understanding that God, what God is wanting to do, he wants to do through his church. And I know you come from Sunday after Sunday. You hear great stories and testimonies. We see great spotlights of what's happening. But I just want to let you know how much more can happen when we're all on board and when we're all a part of the team. So the question is this. What makes you passionate? What makes you passionate? And I know some of you have passion because I've been here long enough now that I remember many times when we've stood before you and pastor has said we've had this, this tremendous disaster with Hurricane Katrina. People without lights and water and food and families are scattered and people are dying and, and, and how can we help? And you folks have so generously just given sacrificially to this type of a crisis. And whether it was Haiti or whether it was one day to feed the world, I know there's something, there's a chord inside of your heart that is struck with compassion when certain things are mentioned. And I know that you're passionate about something. So what is it? Is it the national crisis that move us? It's the child abuse, the child trafficking. trafficking. Does that move us? Is it the homeless that makes us passionate? Is it those who are in prison that creates that passion? What is it in our lives that we are passionate about? Because passion moves us. Passion will move us into compassion. Compassion, as a word that Pastor gave us a few weeks ago, results in compaction. We have compassion, therefore we have action. You see, stirring will always bring change. Stirring will always bring change. Every morning, my mother-in-law gets up, and she wants her cup of coffee, two cups of coffee. And on occasions, I've poured the coffee and got the creamer, put the creamer in, and begin to stir. And that cup of dark coffee now begins to take on a change of color because there's a stirring going on. You can take a quart container and place Kool-Aid in that container and fill that with water and begin to stir, and something changes. 
the color changes, the flavor is added, the consistency changes, and you set that in the refrigerator and let that get nice and cold, and on a day like yesterday when it's just the sun's beating down, you go in and pour yourself a nice cold glass of Kool-Aid. But it only happened because something got stirred. Something happened that got stirred, that made the change, that brought about the positive results. You take a gallon of base paint, and put in two or three tinted colors, and then put that on the shaker, and when it's all said and done, he opens up the can, and you've got this beautiful color that you're going to place on your bedroom wall or kitchen or living room wall. And do you know that only was possible because of a stirring? And as a result of that stirring, there was a change that has taken place, and the result of that change is this beautiful color that you've placed on your wall. You see, stirring will always bring change. Ladies and gentlemen, when you do dishes, you run your water or whichever way you want to do it, and then you add the soap, and the soap, in combination with the water out of the faucet, begins to stir, begins to make a change that gives you an agent that cleans your dishes. But stirring always brings a change. Now here's where the rubber meets the road. We will come to church on a Sunday and whether it's Jenny leading or Mark leading, we will come to church on a Sunday and something in that worship set will stir us. A song like we sang this morning, which which never gets old to me, but when we sing, it is well with my soul. It is well. And, and Jenny could sense it. I could sense it. And probably you as well were sensing it. That something out there in this congregation, there was some stirring gone inside of us because of the song that was moving our passion of what God has done for us in our lives. So we enter into a time of worship and something stirs us. Perhaps there's a crisis or there's something that has taken place and pastor comes up and he shares and he gives you the details and the information and something inside of you begins to stir and you say, I'm going to go home and I'm going to pray and pray and pray till we see the positive results of this need in the body of Christ or around the world. And maybe it wasn't the worship. Maybe it's when pastor gets up. And it begins to break open the Word to you. And it begins to share what Jesus is telling us. And begins to give us instructions on what we need to do. And what it looks like. And the color that changes when we're a follower of Jesus. And you sit there, whether you're on on the balcony or in the gallery or in the down floor. You sit there and all of a sudden pastor says something. And it strikes a chord. And something inside of you stirs. And you feel a stirring. Or it could be a good testimony, which we have heard so many times, especially when our new converts come up. And just before baptism, you hear these testimonies of how Jesus has taken people out of a life of sin and and debauchery and all kind of garbage that they've walked in and cleaned them up and set them free. And there's just a a victory in the testimony. And we sit here and we get stirred. But here's the thing this morning. A sermon can stir us. Worship can stir us. A testimony can stir us. But is that stirring bringing a change? Are we being stirred enough 
that it creates a change. Do we ever change as a result of the stirring? It's a passionate question that I have for us today, that when God moves on our heart and there's a stirring inside of us, is that really bringing change? I'm a father before my two strapping boys got to be as tall and big as they are. At one time, they were babies. And I remember at that time, for the most part around the house, we used cloth diapers. And if we went somewhere, we used the disposable diapers. But I know that whether it's at home or on the road or in church, there always came a time where Barbara would say, we need to change the diaper. Because here's the thing. A baby's dirty diaper that only gets stirred still gives us a stinky baby. Are you catching this? A baby's dirty diaper that only gets stirred still gives us a stinky baby. And let me say this with love and compassion, but the church of Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the vehicle that God wants to use to move His gospel forward into a lost and dying world, if we are that vehicle that only gets stirred and never gets changed, we still end up being a stinky church. And we don't want to be that. We want to catch what God's wanting to do. We want to grab a hold of it. And we want to see what God wants to do in our lives. Those of you that have the tennis ball, I want you to find somebody around you and pass it on and say to them, it's your serve. It's your serve. Now, some of you have just really grown attached to that tennis ball. See me after the service. I have a few more. You could take one home with you. So, we have talked about the, the call, we've talked about the change, and now the commitment. And the commitment is simply this. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. In other words, our challenge this morning is this. Accept the honor that God has given to us. It is an honor to serve Him. Those of you who stood and have served in our armed forces, and it's always something that stirs me when I stand, and I, was, I, I never did see combat. I was in the military. I never saw combat, but I look around at some of you who have been in combat. You've been there on the front, and I've got to tell you, I don't know what your sense of feeling is, but when I went into the United States of America's military branch of the army, there was something that made the chest swell up and the shoulders go back, and and it's something that just stirred me because I had an honor of serving my country. I was proud to do that. Rise to the challenge. Try something new. Try something familiar. Experiment. Because through the making of resolute decisions, we pattern our lives and we mold our character. Whether your first step puts you on a fast track to serving or begins a slow process of self-discovery, do something somewhere now. I'm going to ask those of you that have that tennis ball one more time, find somebody around you and pass it off and say, It's your serve. 
I saw one go flying over here. It's your serve. Here's the application to the message, and I will close in just a moment in prayer. In your bulletins, you have an insert, and it's called Opportunities for Ministry. We're not going to do this this morning. I'm going to ask you on your honor. (laughs) I'm going to trust you on your honor. I want you to take this home with you, and I want you to look through these opportunities of ministry. And this is not an exhaustive list. But I tell you something, if you find things on here to do, it's going to be a tremendous blessing to this church and this community. But this is an opportunities for ministry. Go through here and ask God to show you. Use your GPS system, God's plan for serving. God, where do you want me to plug in? What do you want me to do? And, and God may bring something to your attention and you go, I don't have a clue how to do that. Sometimes those are the best people. They're teachable, and they're trainable, and they don't, they don't, they're not bringing any uh, predisposed information or ideas. But you look through here on both sides and find something that the Holy Spirit is quickening your heart to be involved in. And then what I'm going to ask you to do while you're at home is to give the name, phone number, email address, city, state, zip, And then I would possibly like to serve in these ministries. And if you would, just take the first three that you really feel drawn to and list those here on this handout and then bring it back with you next Sunday. Turn it in. You can put it in the offering plate. You can leave it at the West Service Center. And I will promise you, I will guarantee you that if you fill this out and get it to us, we will find a place for you to connect. Because it's all about the body of Christ serving God, serving others, God using you and I as the body of Christ, as the church, the vehicle to see the kingdom of God values and principles and mandates accomplished and fulfilled in our generation. So we can say, along with David, when we have served the purposes of God and God called us on, we've been faithful in what he's called us to do. Would you stand with me this morning? Heavenly Father, we thank you today that you've called us to be servants. We thank you that you've called us to serve you and to serve others. And for many, many of the folk in this congregation this morning, they've caught this reality. They understand the joy and the fulfillment of serving you. But perhaps there are those that have listened to this message today who perhaps have felt a little backward, a little awkward. Maybe they just really don't know how to get started. Father, I pray that you empower them today. Give them that boldness to step out and say, I don't know a thing about this but I really would like to give it a try. I would like to to understand what this means and how I can help and how I can serve. Father, I thank you for this church. The history of this church has been a blessing to thousands and thousands and thousands of missionaries and community endeavors and people in the body of Christ. That's the history of this church. God, we don't want to have a flat tire. We don't want to break down 
but we want to keep moving forward that at that day when you should come back to bring your church to yourself, that it will be a moving church. It'll be a church that's going forward, fulfilling vision, filled with passion, being stirred, experiencing the change, and being found faithful in what you've called us to do. So, Father, we commit these words that we've given, the information that we've given today, we commit it to you. Ask that you would just minister to us by your Holy Spirit. And, Father, we pray that you give us a great day. Give us a great day together. In your name we pray. Amen. God bless you, folk, and have a great Memorial Day weekend.